0: Welcome to the Spirit of a Badass, where we celebrate stories of courage, hope, and resiliency. I'm your host, Alicia Jacobson. What's up, badasses? Today is going to be hot, hot, hot. First of all, the name is what actually drew me in because I have the maturity of a 14-year-old boy, and I'm often making jokes and saying just crude things that are completely inappropriate for any 40-year-old woman to be saying. But this message is so, so needed. So I'm really excited for our guest, Katie, today. We have Katie here from Mox and Cox. Uh, They are just two Wisconsin gals trying to make not drinking not weird. On a mission to discover and create and share the best products and places for mocktails and non-alcoholic options while creating a space both in-person and online where drinkers and non-drinkers alike can coexist regardless of what's in their glass. Katie, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yes. Well, first, I had seen a uh, post a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, maybe, and the name, Mox and Cox, I was like, yes, I love this. Yes. Bridget
1: and I also have the combined maturity of a 14-year-old boy. So, and I have a 14-year-old boy, so I know exactly what this is. Yeah, we, we thought it was funny and we still get a kick out of it. We say cock so much now that it's like not even a, we have like desensitized ourselves from the word cock.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll still giggle each time. So welcome. And this, this space that you're in, it's such a needed space. Tell me what brought you to create this space for people?
1: Sure. I am about two years sober. So August 30th of 2021 is my sobriety date. I had about a thousand day ones. Uh, I think a lot of people can relate to that. So I was a professional wine drinker, for lack of a better term. I drank a lot. You know, in my 20s and 30s, it was super fun. And just part of that sort of mommy wine culture. I had two little kids. And when we got together, that's what we did. We drank. We drank before we had kids, when we had kids, you know, like somebody brought a bottle of wine to the hospital when I had both my kids, that kind of thing. And all all fairly innocent and all kind of normal in this Wisconsin drinking culture, I would say. I drank enough that it became a pretty good habit. And Enough of a habit to turn it into a job. So we started a wine bar called 1909 in Cross Plains, and we opened a wine bar. And access to wine when you drink too much wine is not necessarily a great thing. So I had some stints of, you know, 50 days alcohol-free, 90-day challenges, and I always felt so much better, but I could never really get over the fear of losing friends. It was just a lot of fear about my social life, what my life would look like without it. Was I still going to be the same creative person? Was I still going to have the same friends? And then one day I just said, I'm done. I had too much proof that it was never going to change. I also, and we talk about this a lot in Mox and Cox, I also, since I was 14 years old and I took my first drink, I felt bad about it. So I know lots of people, Bridget being one of them, that just don't feel bad about drinking. I always felt bad about it. Whether I had one or if I had two bottles of wine or if I had shots or if I had a sip of somebody's, I felt bad about it. And there is a definitely a population out there of people like me and definitely a lot of people like Bridget that don't feel that way. But I just knew it wasn't going to get any better. And I just stopped. I just, it was a lifestyle choice for me. I didn't go to rehab. I don't do a 12-step program. I just, cold turkey, stopped drinking. And I will tell you that every single thing in my life has gotten better since then. Wow. Will you share with me a couple of things that have improved? Well, everything. I mean, and when you say everything, you know, like if you're into self-development or anything maybe you've seen the circle of life where you know it's relationship personal development fitness wealth all of the things so i would say every single one of those things has improved in some shape or form i would say mostly though the relationship with myself my self-image has improved my my boundary setting capabilities has improved my like, just the amount of self care that I provide for myself is a thousand percent better than it was. I mean, my bottom line in all my businesses have gone up because I'm not hungover and I actually pay attention to them. Yeah. All of the relationships that I have, while some have changed, and that is a big fear of a lot of people's. But my relationship with my husband, my relationship with my kids has all changed for the better. You know, I've lost weight. I have become stronger. My sleep is orgasmic. I mean, literally, it is the thing I look forward to the most. I sleep all the way. I I mean, my head hits the pillow and I I don't wake up. I can get up early. I have a ton of energy. And mostly, I just I feel like my most authentic self where I felt like I had this shroud, like I was wearing a shroud before. And there isn't anything it didn't touch. Like, there isn't anything the alcohol didn't touch. But when I took it away, there isn't anything that hasn't gotten better. It was like I made one decision and the trickle-down effect of it has just, I mean, it's just next level. And I never knew I could feel this good. I just, I had never felt this good. I've been drinking since I was 14 years old. I had no idea how good I could feel. And it took a while too. You know, it wasn't in the first two weeks that I felt this good. It's been two years. But every day I feel better than the day before.
0: That's incredible. I wanted to go back to the fear because that's something. So this is Wisconsin. That was something I didn't have an understanding of. So way back, I think before I ever had kids, I was in school for AODA type work. And one of the things that they had talked about in this class was how the UW Madison and Madison and Wisconsin in general has tailgating and how people start drinking at eight o'clock in the morning and other colleges like that is not what they do. And I really had this just thought of this is how it is. And when you grow up here, it's something that it's just this is just what you do. Everyone around you pretty much has the same lifestyle when I take my kids to sporting events. I actually thought that people in with their Yetis, it was just like water. No. Then I found out like, this is not in fact water in any of these things. So it's so culturally accepted, especially where we're from, and that fear. So I don't think that I shared with you when we first started talking. I do meditation. And in one of my meditations back in January my higher self invited me. And this was not around alcohol at all. This was like a totally generic meditation. My higher self invited me to stop drinking alcohol. There were some other things too. And I've had this happen before. And I've been politely declined. But this time I was like, you know what, I actually like it. something about it was very inviting and exciting about it. So I accepted it. And now I've had wine like here and there. Mm-hmm. But One of the things that always snuck up on me when I had thought about not drinking before was the fear of losing my friends, my social circle, my support, like what I knew as my friend group or groups, I was worried about that because culturally here, it revolves around alcohol.
1: So Mm -hmm.
0: tell me how that shifted for you or what impact that has had. It was my biggest fear. I, I'm not going to lie about that. It was
1: absolutely my biggest fear that the same. I was. What was I going to do socially? I was going to be bored. I was never going to be able to go out. What was I going to do at a tailgate when I went to a tailgate? What it, was I even going to be invited to a tailgate? I, I mean, all all of the fears all wrapped up in one thing. And what I've learned almost two years in is the fear is very real and. There's nothing trivial about it. So we actually make a change when the reward is greater than the risk. And I knew that this reward would be better for me. And I was willing to risk my relationships for it, basically. Have my relationships changed? Yes. There is ultimately some of that fear does come true. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I have, I don't, I would not say that I've lost friends our our friendship has changed. Now, my friendships were also built on drinking alcohol. That is no joke. They were built on drinking alcohol. And so when you take the alcohol away, you realize that were they really friendships? Or were they really just surface? We're kind of commiserating together. So some of that is true. I have discovered that I thought I was an extrovert. I thought I got all my energy from being surrounded by people and being in p- big parties and being the center of attention. I have realized that I am an introvert. And that came from taking that kind of social lubricant out and realizing that being out in the circle just made drinking easier and more acceptable. It wasn't like I, you know, I wasn't drinking at home. In the end I did drink at home a lot and I did drink by myself. But when it was fun and when it was great, that's what we did. We all just hung out together. The days of drinking around a kitchen island for hours on end are are just not there anymore. I don't get invited to those things. I have no interest in going to those things either. I filled it with other things. I meditate and read books and all the things basically you think are going to be super boring have completely filled my cup. Yeah, all the things that we roll our eyes at and like, oh those rules don't apply to me, those are all the things that that have made it so enjoyable. I also made a conscious effort to not just quit drinking, but to fulfill my life by taking this out. I mean, there's a difference between quitting drinking and sitting at home every night, wallowing and feeling left out of things versus a mindset of, look at all the things I can do because I don't drink anymore. I mean, there is a huge difference. So,
0: yeah. So this was born from that. So tell us, you know, what, you know, we've kind of heard um, a little bit of the impact. Tell us about this. Yeah. So
1: Mox and Cox was born out of... I still wanted to go out. I still wanted to be invited to places. I still wanted to... Now, we still owned the wine bar at the time. I brought in a ton of non-alcoholic options. I was a beer and wine drinker. So I found some really amazing non-alcoholic beers that I loved. And I still drink them a lot. It was like one of the tools in my toolbox. And I don't just have one. When I have you know, when I go out for a non-alcoholic beer with somebody and everybody else is having four drinks, I'm having four non-alcoholic beers. But it was still like, it was still just a little bit weird. I'm pretty confident in my sobriety, obviously, but I would go up to the bartender and be like, hey, do you have any non-alcoholic beer? And they'll, you know, in a hundred different ways, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess. Right. I mean, it was just like, Really? I, I didn't understand why it was such a big deal. I mean, I did because we're from Wisconsin and that's the culture, but at the same time, like, do we have to be this weird about it? So I texted my friend Bridget, who is my co partner in Mox and Cox. She is the cock of the Mox and Cox. I'm the mocktail, she's the cocktail. It's nothing dirty. It's just mocktails and cocktails. We just shortened it because again, we're immature. So I had had this idea floating around in my head for a while. Originally, it was going to be Madison Mocktails. And my thought was it was just going to be like this cute little Instagram handle. And I would go around to all of these bars and we would find the best mocktails in Madison. But I realized that sort of pigeonholed us. In addition, I thought I have this drinking friend who's hilarious. Bridget is on so many levels, the funniest person you'll ever meet. and. Since day one, Bridget has always been supportive of my not drinking. We were drinking buddies. It's how we met. But she was always supportive. She never really cared. Like it was not a big deal. Like, oh, you've got a non-alcoholic beer and I have a real one. Like big deal. So she was the first person I thought of. And I texted her at, I don't know, eight o'clock in the morning. I was like, hey, I have a venture for us. And she's like, I'm in, whatever it is. I said, it's how about Mox and Cox?" And she was like, absolutely. And within, I don't know, two hours, we had the handles reserved, a website built, and it was born. I I mean, I have a background in entrepreneurship. I'm an entrepreneur by trade. So it was easy for me to do that. Uh, We just like started this up on a Thursday. And by Thursday night, we were, I mean, we were on our way. Since then, we have started a podcast and a subscription box, alcohol-free subscription box. We go around to places that are offering really amazing non-alcoholic options or alcohol-free options side by side. Their cocktails, either really great mocktail menus or they just have more than one non-alcoholic beer. We've been going Instagram and Facebook Live, a bunch of really crazy reviews. We've just found places around Madison.
0: It's been great. So that's awesome. So how did you allow this to change you to become who you are today? I think I really just accepted it. In my world, I knew that it was just never going to get any better.
1: And so I'm a very, very black and white person. Like just saying no is way better than saying maybe like moderation has never worked for me. So I really just wrapped my head around it. One day it just clicked that I was not going to drink anymore ever. And that was fine. Like I, once I accepted it, I was like, this is who I am. This has always been the way that I function. And it is true, like truly my authentic self. So I've been able to really sort of embrace that mindset. I'm just more me. There's like no other way to put it.
0: Yeah, I like that. You just embraced who you were. Yeah. That's wonderful. Katie, can you tell me what lessons have you learned? Oh, geez, that the rules do apply to me. Oh, hot damn. Tell me more.
1: It is one thing that I've learned over the last couple of years that I just never thought all the rules applied to me. Right. Like I never thought I'd have a drinking problem. They just didn't apply to me. I never thought that like counting calories would be the way that you lose weight. Those rules don't apply to me. And it turns out so many rules that I ignored in my twenties and thirties actually do apply. (laughs) And once I kind of realized it and started embracing it, I just, everything has changed. I just like, Oh, when you journal every day, things actually come true. Or when you sit in meditation, your mind calms, or feeding anxiety with an anxiety inducing chemical also creates more anxiety. Like I just never thought those rules applied to me. It was just like one of those things I just never believed. And now I believe them.
0: (laughs) So I don't know if that's wisdom or Well, when I when I work with my clients, a lot of times they'll say like, the results don't lie. So what results are you getting and what actions do you have that are adding up to those results? And then what can you do to shift it if you want a different outcome?
1: Right. Like eating more vegetables or I, I mean, as as far as the drinking part goes, like I was sleeping like shit. Oh, sorry, I didn't know if I could swear on here. Oh yeah, this okay. is very much. Oh, thank you. So you know, my sleep was horrible. I was waking up every single day at 3 a.m. and then my mind would run. And I I can tell you also that I have read every single article, every single book, listened to all the podcasts about drinking and weight loss and all of the things. And the drinking part was I knew that, you know, my body was reacting at 3 a.m., right? Like the adrenaline dropped and then all the chemical scientific stuff I already knew except it wasn't enough for me to stop. So like logic is not enough and I just realized that all rules, all physics rules, all physical rules, all health rules do apply. <laughs> but yeah. I, I I didn't get it until I quit drinking. I didn't really understand it. I think I was just Even like the feelings too, right? Like I hadn't, I I honestly don't know if I actually felt an emotion for the last 20 years because I was drinking over it. Whatever emotion I had, happy, good, bad, sad, whatever it was, I was numbing it out. So I've felt all of the feelings in the last two years, let me tell you. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure those are some big feelings if you hadn't been feeling for a very long time. Yeah.
1: I mean, probably like all the little feelings I've had have been big feelings. I've just, I had to figure out a different way to cope with them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those times I still reached for a drink, right? Like I still reached for a non-alcoholic, uh, you know, bottle of bubbly or whatever. It's taken me a long time to not do that. But now I've gotten all the things that exercise promises, right? Like all the things that exercise gives you from a mental health standpoint, a physical health standpoint, I was never getting that out of exercise before because I was always punishing myself with exercise. And Mm -hmm. now I do it to literally regulate my mental stability and my mental health. And that's the only reason I work out anymore. And now that I have that, it is my only coping mechanism. I I mean, it's just what I do. If I feel like shit or if I feel good or whatever, I reward myself with a workout or a walk or a yoga session or whatever it is. And those were all the things I rolled my eyes at. They were before they were just a vehicle to burn calories for all of the calories I drank in a bottle of wine. Right. They were just a punishment. Mm -hmm. And that has completely flipped its
0: switch for me. Yeah. So you've Exercise, meditation, yoga, being outside, 100%, those are all things that what someone might be trying to kind of cover up or cope numb with, with alcohol, adding those things in, in a regular manner will absolutely change your mental state.
1: Yeah, it was taking that one thing out and then doing all of those for enjoyment rather than punishment Mm -hmm. uh, has changed everything
0: for me. Yeah. Uh, So what message or piece of advice do you have for anyone who may be going through something similar? Well,
1: one is I don't care if you drink. I, I, I think that's sort of a misconception of people that don't drink. Like I'm not counting your drinks. I don't care if you drink. I don't drink personally for personal reasons. It has nothing to do with anybody else. So I have no judgment for people that are drinking. Lots of people can handle their alcohol. Lots of people don't feel bad about it. Lots of people don't have the same situation I had. And so I don't care. (laughs) So it's okay to talk about alcohol. I think that's the other thing is nobody's ever really talked about it in a way where we're, I don't label myself as an alcoholic. I was a highly functioning person that drank too much and got sick of the hangovers. I personally decided that it was easier and better for me if I just shut it off, if I just said no. Does that mean that somebody else can't moderate? Absolutely not, right? Like if somebody wants to cut down, fine. It's one of the things that Um, Mox and Cox does like what we are trying to send the message is that if you don't want to drink on a Tuesday, there's nothing wrong with not drinking on a Tuesday because you don't feel like it. You can say you don't want to drink, you can ask for a non alcoholic option. You don't have to be sober in order to partake in mocktails, you don't have to be completely abstinent in order to decide that. For 30 days, you want to see what it's like to not drink anything. We are really just trying to make it not so weird. So when people go out, they can ask for a non-alcoholic option without being judged for it or without some preconceived notion that they've had
0: a problem because that's not true. Like you might just not want to drink. So the weirdness, that's something that your mission is to have that kind of dissolve and go away. And that's something that I hear about a lot, but more from other people making it weird. So the people who are not drinking or choosing not to, for whatever their reason is, a lot of times they're like, I'm okay with this. Sometimes that initial period can be a little bit like, what's this going to be like? Like my husband and I, we like to have like something either like in our hand, just because everybody's standing around with glasses in their hand. And I don't need even like, it doesn't matter what it is, just something. Of course. But other people make it weird. It's like a peppering of questions. What message do you have for the people who make it their business to question people? Because sometimes it's just because of the culture, people don't even realize like, you don't ask somebody if they're pregnant, unless you see a baby literally falling out of their vagina. Like you just don't say it. Literally falling out. (laughs) So like, same thing where it's like, it's none of your business, but people don't even think that, oh, I don't have to ask them why. So what message do you have for those people on kind of maybe how they could show up differently?
1: Yeah, a couple of thoughts on this, because we've actually talked about this on our podcast quite a bit, because it is, it is a bone of contention, let's just say, some of it is just plain curiosity. And I love those people. And if you want to ask me questions about it and you have a genuine curiosity about what it's like for me, I am there for you all day long. That is probably not who you're talking about. No, not at all. (laughs) The people that you're talking about that are like, why are you doing this? Like, I didn't think you had a problem. How much were you actually drinking? Like, how is this going to affect my world? Right. Most most people are about themselves. So I think what what I've discovered is mostly the people that have the the most visceral reaction to it are the people that either are worried about their own drinking or are worried that their life is somehow going to be affected by my not drinking. So does it mean that some kind of tradition is going to be bucked because now you don't drink? And and let's be honest, the things that are in your glasses, like the only difference between me and another person drinking actual beer and me not drinking non-alcoholic beer is the ethanol in our glass. Like, I'm still fun. I still laugh. I still, you know, I still do all the things. But mostly, I think you're a mirror for a lot of people. And that's scary. I think a lot of people question their alcohol intake. That have never had the ability to talk about it with anybody without being judged, without having a fear that they have an alcohol problem, that if they have a problem, they're going to have to quit, feed that they have some sort of concern about it. I think the more people that talk about it in a, it's okay to like not drink on a Tuesday, or it's okay to make a decision, or it's yeah. okay to have a boundary, or it's okay to quit for the rest of your life, and you can still do all the things. That's what we're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do from my my mocktail my my part in Mox and Cox because Bridget is the amazing human that she is, she is still a drinker and recognizes it's sort of like a persecuted class almost like it's a it's really none of your business why anybody is not drinking. Why are we making it everybody's business? And she does that from a drinking standpoint. So I think like that is invaluable.
0: Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're, well, maybe you've already, you've already probably hit the stop button. So if you've made it this far, you're probably not that irritated and pissed off, but, but if by chance you are still here listening and you are pissed off, and this is somehow like offensive to your senses here and your ears, I think that's worthy of like a few questions to yourself. Like, Yes. If this is triggering things in you, if somebody else's choices of partaking or not partaking is like making you feel like, how is this going to impact me? I think that's worthy of some reflection. Yeah. And like my challenge to anyone listening is go create conversation about this because anything that is sort of like, Swept under the rug, or sort of taboo, or like we've talked about, like Wisconsin is this culture of it. You sort of just accept it; it just what is. But like, go question other things. And if you are at an establishment, like maybe they can bring some different things in. What is your favorite place to get a mocktail, or maybe you have favorites in the Madison area?
1: Yeah, we have visited quite a few places and we are really in this cool trend of non-alcoholic companies popping up everywhere. We are in a really cool, um, I think, incline of companies doing it really well. I would say Athletic Brewing is doing an amazing job. They're the biggest non-alcoholic beer company in the country right now. J.J. Watt just invested in them like they are doing it right. The beer is amazing. If you're a beer drinker, you're the luckiest one because they're doing such an amazing job with the beer. The beer must be the easiest. Wine is tough. Just it's just tough. (laughs) I don't understand how Bridget hates it when I say this because she's a scientist and I don't understand how we can make a jelly bean taste like barf, but we can't find a
0: non-alcoholic option for wine. Those jelly beans are the word. What is that? Bamboozled, or you have to eat the nasty ones? Yes, you're the second person this week that has talked to me about Athletic Brewing Company. Oh yeah, uh, that they're beer, and also then said like, I can't find a wine.
1: Yes, wine is tough. I have. I've been really lucky to find Joyous. And I I can share, we have a bunch of coupon codes too, so I'm happy to share them with you, Alicia, and then you can share them with your followers. But we have, and we really only share the ones that we think are good because there are a lot of really bad ones out there. So a couple of places that we really love that I will give some shout outs to in the Madison area. So Far West Side Madison, The Good Company, which is a new golf course over on the west side on mineral point road they've got athletic there they've got a mocktail menu like right next to their other alcohol menu we love that mint mark downtown east side the vintage also is has been amazing for us that like an amazing resource Brittany, the owner is also alcohol free now and so we have connected on a personal level Because, you know, it's interesting to be a bar owner and be sober. Oh, let's see. What are some other ones? Cafe Hollander has a really great mocktail menu. The Heritage Tavern, amazing mocktail menu. There are really some great ones. And there's a lot of places that are really trying right now. Oh, Stateline Distillery did a really huge, like, dry January push. And we went to a bunch of places in dry January and they had such an amazing response. They kept their menu, like the extensive dry January menu, all the way throughout. So they, they have brought on an amazing amount of non-alcoholic
0: options. Yeah, I think this is definitely gaining traction, this idea of... And the mocktails, I follow some accounts on social media, and I mean... They're like nice. The garnishes are like, they're freaking beautiful. Like, I don't even want to drink this thing because it's like a work of art. Right.
1: And, you know, the issue has been for so long that if you didn't drink alcohol, you got O'Doul's, Heineken Zero Zero, or Shirley Temple. And that is bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I only know that because when I was pregnant with my second, mm-hmm. I, so I'm not a beer drinker at all. But for some reason, my craving with her was beer. Like, oh, you can't have, like, no. So yeah. I drank Duels when I was pregnant with my second. <laughs> I don't know why the hell my body's like, you need beer.
1: <laughs> I drank O'Dul's Amber like it was going out of style when I was pregnant with Yeah, of her. weird. Like, well, I'm not yeah. a beer drinker, but that was, what I, that was what I had. There's a whole demographic of people, of human beings that are drinkers, And they get pregnant and they're no longer drinkers for 10 months. And now that is acceptable to people, right? Like if you're showing and you ask for a non-alcoholic something, they're like, oh, absolutely, congratulations, right? If you're just like a normal person and you ask for a non-alcoholic thing, it's just a very, you know, disconnect. But all of these women deserve something for the 10 months, right? Like they don't, they shouldn't have to have some, you know, like, club soda in a pepsi glass with a splash of grenadine. There's just no reason for it. So that's that's mm-hmm. been a whole other sort of demographic that we have found because a lot of people especially in Wisconsin, you literally go from drinking one day to not drinking the next day. And you're like, "Shit, what do I do now?"
0: Thank you. Thank you. This has been so informative. Last question I ask everyone on the podcast What is your number one life hacker tip that has helped you save time, energy, or resources?
1: I think it's no secret that mine has, mine personally has been quitting drinking. It's just the amount of time I got back that I was not, that I was not napping, that I was not feeling hungover for two hours in the morning, the amount of energy I have. I just like from a health perspective, it just changed my physical body so much but a thousand percent my mental health. Is it for everybody? Absolutely not. Right. Like I'm not here to tell you to feel bad about drinking. I was feeling bad about drinking. So I did it as a lifestyle choice and it's out there. It's out there as an option. You don't have to be a falling down drunk in order to decide that you don't want to drink anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, when when I talk to people, it's like what makes your body feel good. Like we know what makes our body feel good, and you listened. Yeah, (laughs) and you started doing what made your body feel good, and you got a shit ton of time back
1: after decades of my poor body trying to tell
0: me. Right. (laughs) I mean, you did it though. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I'm so grateful to have you on here and sharing your message. And if people would like to get in touch with you, how can they? Find you and Bridget and Mox and Cox. Yeah,
1: of course. We have an Instagram handle. It's Mox and Cox, Facebook, Mox.cox, and our website is Moxandcox.com. Shocking that that was available. Okay.
0: That's great. Yeah. And we will link the either a link to the discount codes or we will somehow add that to the show notes so that people can get in touch with you and find all the resources that you have available to them.
1: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Yes. Thank you, Katie. Spirit of a Badass is a Lit Path Studios podcast and is produced by Jamie Gale and Alicia Jacobson. Music by Shane Ivers. We'll be back with another inspiring interview. Until then, keep your spirits high and your energy badass.